You are listening to Revealing Real Estate Podcast, where we dive into getting over your fear of taking risk in real estate and making money while you sleep. I'm Nico Pedizano, your host and real estate guru with over 20 years of experience. It's time to get real. Wow, you guys are going to be in for a treat today. I want to welcome back on the show for a second time two very special guests. These guys went viral on my Instagram page and TikTok page with over 500,000 views. It's the most viewed video that we've ever received on Revealing Real Estate and with high demand and with a viewership requesting these individuals to come back on who specialize in account tax services, corporate reorganizing, estate planning, and help advise business decisions. Part of the Valanti Piccitti Group. Please welcome back Mark Colasante and Matthew Durante to the show. Guys, welcome back to this show. This is exciting to have you guys back on. Thanks, Nick. Uh, yeah, we're excited and uh, we're just happy that uh, you know people enjoy listening to your podcast and hearing what we have to say. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. It's good to be back. Yeah, glad to have you back, Matthew. So this is going to be wonderful. We today are going to be talking about an introduction to Prux. Back in October 1st of 2020, REBA, which is the Real Estate Business Brokers Act, announced that they were going to allow realtors to open up Prux, which was awesome. Back in the day when I started in business 20 years ago, that opportunity wasn't available to me. So just to put in reference, every transaction or a commission check that I earned went personally directed to my name. So every time I had to file my taxes, my taxes were filed personally. Nowadays, a PREC is available to us to incorporate or open up a PREC company for realtors. I already personally had one prior. And before to be incorporated within the real estate business, you had to be a licensed broker to do that. And now as a sales representative, we have those opportunities or my agents even on my team of sales representatives have that opportunity to go open a PREC. For those that don't know what a PREC is, Matthew, we'll start with you. Can you explain what actually is a PREC? Yeah, that's a good point. So to expand a little bit on what you said. So prior to October 1st, 2020, as a, like a real estate agent, you were not allowed to have a corporation. So you weren't allowed to be incorporated. So you weren't able to benefit from any of the, any of the traits and advantages that corporations can provide to you as a professional. Right, because accountants were allowed to incorporate, doctors were allowed to incorporate, dentists all were allowed to incorporate, but real estate agents were not. So prior to that, you were just self-employed, and all the income you earned, like you said, was taxed at the high rate of tax if you were earning a lot of money as a personal real estate agent. Okay, so you were paying if you earned anything over two hundred twenty thousand dollars, you're paying tax at the high rate, which is fifty-three percent. So every dollar earned after that, you're giving fifty-three cents back to the government. Right, so a lot of money. So just in reference, what yeah. you're saying is, if I earn a commission check of ten thousand dollars. Just to break it down, and that $10,000, if I took that income personally, I'm keeping 53 cents or I'm paying back 53 cents back to the government? You're paying 53%. So I'm saying marginally at the highest rate, if you're a real estate agent, like personally in the personal tax brackets, if you're earning $10,000 above $220,000, you're Correct. paying 53% tax on that. So you're only taking home $4,700. Right, exactly. That, right? Okay, perfect. So there's that. So then now after October 1st, 2020, you're allowed to incorporate. So now you can have the many benefits that I was saying before that everybody's allowed to have as, an, as a corporation. So realtors can now incorporate and now all the checks you earn would go into your corporation. So there's a few benefits we'll talk about throughout the show. But I mean, one of the main ones you're able to benefit from tax deferral now. So you don't have to, you don't have to earn all that income personally. So you can only you can pay yourself a salary or a dividend from the corporation and kind of determine how much money you actually need to live. And then by having that amount of money, you know what you, you need to live for your disposable income. You can pay less tax by taking only benefiting from the smaller marginal rates for less income. Which was a great opportunity, right? Because a lot of times, 
you weren't able to defer your taxes. And if I had that early on within my career, I'd be, you know, it would be a lot better for me, right? Because everything then runs through my product, through my corporation. And then I'm able to, a lot of the benefits on that. And I think we'll tap into that a little bit more. Maybe Mark, you can expand on that. But just to understand is that everything, my phone bill, my tax bill, my car payments, my insurance, everything now runs through my corporation. And now from the corporation, instead of taking all that money personally, I run it through to the corporation. The corporation pays less tax on that commission check. And then from that perspective, I then run all my expenses through that proc. Exactly. So all the expenses that relate to your business, to your real estate business, you can have that in your corporation so that you're not, you're not getting taxed fully on all this income if you don't need that much income to live. Right. So if you only need like $75,000 every year, as opposed to, let's say you're a real estate agent making 500 grand, you don't need to be taxed on that full 500 grand at the personal tax rates. You can just take out 75 grand as a salary from your corporation. So you can right. really control your income when you have a corporation now, whereas before you had zero control. So like if you made, if you made a sale at the end of the year and it was a big sale, then you're going to get taxed on, on the higher rate based on all the other income you had in that year. Right. Whereas in a corporation, you can just say, okay, this year I only need that $75,000. I'm going to pay that every single year. until so maybe I buy a new house personally. I need a little more money from mortgage or something like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. So Mark, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages to a prec? Are there any disadvantages into having a prec open up? Yeah, it's a good question. So one thing that a lot of people automatically assume is when, as soon as you incorporate, you know, you're protected. You know, no one can come after me as a shareholder personally. I'm not personally liable. But as a, as a prec, you know, you still have duties and obligations to perform as a realtor. Um, so due to that, you know, if you were to, you know, have negligence for something, you brokered a deal or whatnot, um, you're still personally liable for that. So I just want, you know, the viewers to understand that if you do go into a prec, you know, you as a realtor are still personally liable. Um, but, you know, what you guys were talking about before in terms of, you know, income tax deferral and how you pay yourself, one of the main advantages now of a corporation is how you can pay yourself. So one thing we always see with our clients is when they file their personal tax returns with realtors is they always have to pay into CPP. And, you know, when you go give them their tax bill at the end of the year, you know, you've made X amount of dollars, you owe $20,000 in taxes, and, you know, you have to contribute, you know, $7,000 CPP. And they say, well, I don't want to contribute to CPP. Well, you don't have a choice, you know, as a, as a, when you receive personal income, if it's a T4 or self-employed income, you have to contribute into CPP. One of the main benefits of a PREC is that you can choose to pay yourself via dividend. So you can pull funds out of your corporation via dividend because you're a shareholder, and that wouldn't trigger any CPP. Right. Yeah. There also are some disadvantages to dividends yeah. as well, too. I mean, like if you pay yourself a dividend, you're not really getting that deduction in your income. Mm -hmm. So if you have a $500,000 of, of commissions in that one year in your corporation, you pay yourself a dividend. You're not getting, a, let's say you're paying yourself $50,000 dividend, you're not getting a deduction from your income of that $50,000. It's paid out of after-tax retained earnings, right? So that's in something to consider too. So you're just bringing yeah. down the total value of your corporation and the, mm -hmm. and the growth you have. That's, you're paying out of after-tax funds with a dividend. You're not getting paid through payroll at that point in time. And you're you're taking out a dividend exactly. every year. So you're taking a large amount of sum and then you don't have to pay CPP to that. Exactly. And there's also more disadvantages just to paying yourself a dividend. Um, like for example, like it doesn't, you won't be able to deduct childcare expenses against it. It doesn't contribute to your RSP room. Um, and, and there's some more. So essentially, you know, there are pros and cons, but you know, that's one thing. At least it gives you the option mm -hmm. as a, uh, as a realtor, you know, if you just want to pull out maybe 30, 40,000 of dividends, because if you don't have any other income personally and you go draw a forty thousand dollar dividend into your personal income that's essentially tax-free personally right pending you don't have any other income but you know so there are some advantages to having that sort of ability to being able to choose how you want to pay yourself as a realtor so why do they call it a prec what's the definition of a prec it's a personal uh real estate corporation the precs are only for real estate agents at this point 
Perfect. It's only for it's only for real estate agents. Like if you're a brokerage, like you're already incorporated, so the the prex they mean nothing to you. Yeah. Correct. Right. But if you're if you're a realtor, you know, nothing changes. Let's just kind of say that. You know, your your duties and obligations as a realtor that no, that doesn't change. Yeah, yeah. For you're sure. still represented by a brokerage. You know, you can only be paid by that one brokerage instead of it just going into your personal name. Now it just goes into your prec. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So having that personal real estate corporation too. I mean, like you. You have that, uh, like the main the main benefit of the corporation is just the tax deferral. That's the main advantage you have. And I mean, you can pay yourself via salary or dividend, but the fact that you can control your income, like we were saying before, that's the main benefit. Oh, and we won't get into too much detail, like the actual, like the the advantages of having like, it, the main benefit is just the fact that you can control your income and pass that along depending on how much money you actually need. Right? Okay, so, so let's break this down, right? So a real estate agent earns on average, you know, let's just say he, they make $150,000 in one fiscal year. Mm -hmm. Through that process, they open up this prec that they get paid through the brokerage into their prec. They've earned that $150,000 and now all the expenses go through that new prec. What would be the taxes based on that versus paying the taxes personally on $150,000? Yeah, so that's a good question. So uh, if you're looking at it within in, within a corporation, so let's say your net commissions after all your expenses and everything, like your, your net your net income that you earn, let's say it's about 200 grand, right? So if it's 200 grand, now you pay, there's something called a small business reduction in a corporation. Mm -hmm. So you pay 12.2% on your income in a corporation for all income below 500,000. Income in excess of 500000 in a corporation is taxed at 26.5%. Mm -hmm. So let's say you made $200,000, you're paying tax at 12.2% in the corporation, and then you also got to pay yourself a salary based on how much money you need personally. If you don't need any, you're just paying your tax on $200,000. So what is that? You probably have about, call it $40,000 of tax that you're going to pay. And then uh, the rest is just stays in your corporation. You can use that for other things as well too, which we'll get into. So you can use that money to to kind of flow out to other corporations that you can use for investment purposes, let's say. So you don't have to pull that money out personally and then recontribute it in if you want it to you buy You can get that money and reinvest it, whether yeah. you want to reinvest it into yeah. real estate. Yeah. I yeah. want to buy uh, some investment properties, stocks, mm -hmm. I guess. So you can, yeah. you can open yeah. up. You can have an investment portfolio. Like the main benefit, like we we're saying, is that is that buying power. Is that right? buying power, so, correct. So if you have to pay out all that money, like let's say if you were if you were self employed if you were self-employed and you have, you're getting taxed at 53%, if you made 200,000, 100 grand of that's going to the government, let's say, right? So you only have $100,000 to put towards a real estate property, Got it. right? Whereas yeah. in a corporation, you have like, call it 160 grand to go put away or right. 180 grand, right? So that's the one benefit. And then also if you're a personal real estate corporation, the only person who can own voting shares of that company is the real estate agent himself. So you can't put your kids on it or your, or your wife on it as voting common equity shareholders, right? But you can, you can have uh, holding companies own shares in your personal real estate corporation. So that, that'll allow you to maybe move some funds up from your personal real estate corporation into a holding company and you can yeah. own the investments up in the holding company per se, right? You yeah. can move those funds tax-free between corporations. That's good to know. Are PRECs for everybody, all real estate agents? You think every real estate agent should open up a PREC? Are, are there kind of any guidelines that you would follow throughout that? It, we get this you know question all the time from our clients and you know I, I see Matt laughing over there because you know we have this discussion all the time, but it really does depend on your situation, right? You know, if you're a real estate agent that's making, you know, $300,000 a year, but you need $300,000 to live for your personal living expenses, there's no benefit to be incorporated. Um, but if you're a real estate agent, you know, you're making, even if you're making like $150,000 a year. Man, if you got $300,000 of living expenses, man, you're living a high lifestyle. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. You're fucking partying. <laughs> yeah. hey, we're, we're in Woodbridge. I'm sure there's a lot of people with $300,000 expenses. These Holy days, shit. Right? <laughs> um, but, you know, if you're, even if you're a realtor making $150,000 a year and you only need $75,000 to live, yeah. right? That $75,000 that you don't need to live, you can keep that in your prec and you can get the benefit of the income tax deferral. Um, another benefit too is when you incorporate, you know, 
that you wouldn't be able to do if you were just a personal real estate agent. And let's say you have a family, you know, your spouse, you have kids, and let's say your spouse is in a lower income tax bracket, or maybe your spouse doesn't work because you know they don't have to for whatever reason, and they help you out with your day to day real estate activities, whether it's administrative or the bookkeeping and tracking your, your books and records and whatnot. You can go and pay a salary out of your prec to your spouse and to your kids for helping in your business. So you're splitting income, and essentially the be- biggest benefit is that is you're benefiting at the lower uh, marginal tax rates. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another thing too that we advise our clients. You know, we always ask of their family situations. You know, are you are you married? Do you have kids? And as long as you're paying the salary that you pay, you know, to non arms length individuals or related parties, as long as it's reasonable, as long as the salary that you would pay to a arm's length person, someone who's not related to you, the CRA, they won't challenge that, right? But if you go pay, let's say your spouse, you know, $300,000 to go do some administrative work, you know, they'll challenge that because you wouldn't go pay an arm's length individual that amount of money to go do that work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In layman's terms, yeah. So yeah, so that's another benefit too that, you know, like our our clients could could take advantage of and and you're just splitting your income. Whereas if you had this money personally, you couldn't split that income with, you know, uh, spouses or children. This is a great topic Mm -hmm. because I I have a lot of real estate agents on my team when they first start out within the business. My advice to them is regardless, because, you know, there's a lot of new agents that are probably going to listen to the show right now and that have come on my team that just got licensed and, you know, my advice to them is always, and I don't know if I'm wrong on this, maybe correct me if, uh, if I am, uh, you guys are the experts in this field, but to start right away to open up a prep, whether you've made any money, and we'll talk about a little bit of the cost associated to that and how somebody can open up a prep if they're a young agent who's just starting out in the business. But my advice to them is get into opening up a prep right away if you can, because there are, for me, if I weigh out the advantages versus the disadvantages on it, the advantages based on opening up a prac are, are a lot higher. So what's the process of opening up a prac and pretty much what are the, the associated costs to doing it? Yeah, that's a good point, Nick. So, I mean, there are a lot of advantages to having a prac as well too. And then you do have to, you have to kind of do like a cost benefit analysis to see if those costs make sense depending on how much money you make as a realtor, right? Because if you're just a realtor and you're doing it occasionally, maybe you have like one deal a year or even if that, if you're just doing it part-time, let's say, it might not make sense for you to have that personal real estate corporation because all that money you're earning, if you were just to earn it personally, you wouldn't really pay much tax on it, right? Because you're not right. going to have that much marginal rates. But to that extent to me- that you're mentioning, like you could start, if you start building your portfolio of real estate and then you don't need that money, it could make sense to leave it in the corporation. You don't need to pull it out, right? So it all just depends on like what you're going to be doing with those funds. But if you are if you don't have any other income and you're just a real estate agent and you're doing part-time, let's say, and you're making about 10, 15, 20 grand a year. Yeah, that doesn't make yeah, sense doesn't make at that sense. point. But if you're making, but if you're making de- decent coin and it's moving up, you can start, you know, if you know you're going to make a good amount of salary and a good, a good commission from the real estate that you're doing, if you work with a good team, let's say, then it might make sense from the beginning to have a prep going on because then you can, you can just l- benefit from that leverage of having that tax deferral early on, right? So that's one thing you could do. I mean, also another thing too, if you do get started, um, there's, there's benefits to having like a corporation, right? So if you have a corporation, let's say if you're the OP team and you have, you have a lot of, like, there's a lot of brand with the OP teams. You have a brand, you have a customer list, right? So a lot of real estate agents think that there's not much value with their name. It's all, it's all just with, it's all just with them. And like, if you were to stop being a real estate agent, people stop coming to see you, right? But you've built like the OP team itself. So there's a lot of value in that brand and that, like you have a, like a customer list, right? So let's say when you're done being a real estate agent, you don't want to really deal with real estate anymore. You can maybe sell that customer list or sell that value and, and monetize that in a way where you can sell to another real estate agent. So you could sell your prec to another real estate agent per se, and then now you can, you, by having a corporation, you can benefit from not paying any tax because you can use something called your lifetime capital gains exemption, right? By using your lifetime capital gains exemption, you have like, I think it, now it's about 970 grand in 2023, where if you sold your prep for 970 grand to somebody else, 
you wouldn't have to pay any tax on that. But if you sold it personally, you would have to pay tax on that on that amount of money that the individual gave you to buy your customer list. That's that's huge. Right? I didn't know that. Yeah. So you can save you can save and that's and that tax savings itself, depending on what your rate what rate you're in, is about two hundred fifty grand of, of cash, right? Because of tax savings. Yeah. So that's another benefit of just a of a of a corporation. But yeah, I liked what you were saying about the cost. So it just depends on what you have in your personal real estate corporation. Sometimes we charge about like to do accounting services about twenty five hundred to three grand, depending on what you have in the corporation. Um, that's like a base fee per se. And then you also got to have some, you're going to have some incorporation fees that you have to deal with, with, with the government and with your lawyer. So it's always good to use a lawyer to get it set up to make sure that you're setting it up properly. Um, you do that. And then if you're already operating, um, as a, as a self-employed realtor, you do have, you do, you may have some brand and goodwill that we have to kind of move that into a corporation, which is a little more complicated, but that's something you should do to safeguard yourself from CRA. So just moving that brand into the corporation. There's, there's some vehicles to do that, but it's a little more complicated. Good. Uh, Mark, did you want to add on that? Yeah, no, it, it's a good point uh, that, that Matt was saying. And, you know, like like he said, when if you're a realtor who's been, you know, you're, you've been in the business, let's say, five years, and, you know, you've built up this brand and goodwill, and then you say, hey, I want to open up a prec. You know, I'm making too much money here. I don't need all this money to live. Um, just make sure you do consult, like, a tax professional because, essentially, that brand and goodwill that you've built up to that point in time um, you have to, it's called a rollover. You have to roll that into your corporation. It's called a section 85 rollover. We don't need to get too technical, but essentially if you don't roll that brand and goodwill into the corporation, the CRA can come and they can say, well, now you've sold that brand and goodwill to the corporation and they can tax you on the accrued capital gain or whatever the value is at the date of transfer. Um, so that's one way to safeguard yourself. Um, so just make sure that, you know, when you are opening up a prec that you are using a lawyer and accountant to make sure you're properly set up. Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely surround myself with the right team, boys. I'm glad to have you on my side, put it that way. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of benefits towards that. And I can't thank you guys enough for picking up the phone every time I call because I'm calling you guys quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> block number, block number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this guy's blocking my number right now. <laughs> Jesus, Murphy. You know, one point I do want to make is that, you know, I, we, have, we do have um, clients. And this is like, because you were saying, you know, when should you incorporate a prec? You know, does it, it make sense for me? So, you know, a lot of times, like you say, you know, realtors that are just starting out, you know, open up a prep. That's what you're saying. And to some, and, and to some regard, you know, I do agree with you, um, especially if you're a young realtor, you're still living at home, you don't need that much money to live, you know, and if you're, and if you're hungry and you want to do well and you start doing well, because you know, you're on the marketplace and you're making sales, it does make sense to incorporate because you got to think about it. You know, at, from the ages, let's say, you know, you start a realtor when you're 24, let's say to 30, right? How much money do you really need to live? Right. Um, and if you want to start investing, you know, your, your, your real estate, your, your accumulated cash flow and your prep, into other assets, you can do that through other sort of corporate vehicles mm -hmm. and you can benefit from the income tax deferral. So that's something else we kind of want to talk about is, um, you know, the benefit of investing through mm -hmm. your prec. Yeah. And then one of the, that's a good point. There's a lot of advantages to it. Sometimes, sometimes you have to factor in too. So there's new rules where like if you have investment income in corporations, it's not always advantageous to have investment income in a corporation because if you go over certain limits, so for example, if you, if you have over 150 grand of investment income in a corporate group, between associated companies, you can potentially lose your access to that small business deduction. That $500,000 that you have that you can get taxed at the low rates of 12.2%. If you have 150 grand of investment income in your corporate related group, associated group, then you lose access to that small business deduction for the next year. So it, you may not want to have investment vehicles in your corporation that generate that investment income because then you might, you're going to forgo the access to that small business deduction every single year. Right. Right. So you want to keep that in mind. I mean, it's not, you can, you can still invest in stuff in the corporations where, or assets in the corporations where they don't pay annual investment income per se. So you can buy, let's say you bought a, an investment property, right? 
and the rental income, maybe it's not cash flow, maybe it's not making an actual rental income, but over the years you hold it for 20, 30 years. And then when you go and sell that, you're going to have a capital gain on that property, right? Mm-hmm. So you didn't have any investment income for 20 years. So you didn't lose any of that small business actually, you didn't have any investment income. But now when you go and sell it, you have it all at one time. So you just, you maybe forgo it for the next year per se, mm-hmm. but you don't lose the advantage of that small business direction throughout the 20 years. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I wish I had that early on. I remember when I started with, within my business and products weren't available to me, we didn't have a brokerage at that time. All the income that we made, of course, was definitely re-put back into real estate investments. But the real estate investments that I had to purchase were all through my wife's name and my name, right? So we owned it personally. Now, if I ever had to go and sell those properties as well, now I'm paying based on personal tax, mm-hmm. capital gains tax on that. Whereas if I started out and was had the opportunity to have in a prac and I had all that or more liquid buying power access, right? Because I'm paying less tax through the corporation anyway than I was personally, I was able then to get that money reinvest it back in the market. And then when I ever sell those those properties, now I'm getting paid at the corporate tax, whether that be the, the, the 14% or the 12% that you mentioned or the 21%, whatever that number may be, I'm paying a lot, yeah, lot less in tax through the corporation that I would be personally. Correct. And there's a huge benefit to that mm-hmm. for myself that I think is huge. And, you know, it's great that you tapped on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get into more like all this wealth that you're building in this corporation, you're building it at lower rates. And then we'll talk about the estate planning piece in a bit as well, too. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. But I also just want to lead into what Mark was saying about the investments in the corporations as well, too, because yep. there's there's multiple investments you can make in a corporation, especially with real estate. Right. So we, we touched on this last podcast a little bit, too, with the new rules. But I mean, we won't get into those rules, but either way. So, I mean, you can have an invest, you can have multiple call it. You can have in your prec, you can have your prec and you can have another company that's associated with your prec, let's say. Right. And you can loan some funds over to your prec or you can pay it or to your holding company or you can pay a dividend up to the holding company and use that company to invest in real estate. OK, mm-hmm. but if you have that company and you're investing in real estate and you're doing like and you're doing some flipping and you're you're buying a property and you're immediately selling it, right? You're doing a quick paint job and you sell it right after, right? So let's say you make a hundred grand on that property, okay? If you make a hundred grand on that property and you held it for a small amount of time, I mean, there's there's a bunch of factors you can look into to actually classifying what kind of property that is. But if you were to sell it a month later, you just did a quick paint job, you didn't do much and you've been in the business of flipping these properties before, then that's not really a capital gain to you. That's gonna be business income, like what we were saying last time. So that's gonna be taxed at 100,000, it's gonna be taxed at full business income rates. So if you've right. already used up your 500,000 small business deduction with your prec, then you're going to pay 26.5% on that full amount of the hundred grand. So you're going to pay $26,500 of tax mm-hmm. on that hundred grand of income you made, which, which, which is still a substantial amount on that. Right. Whereas if you're buying an investment property, like a rental property, and I was saying before, and you have that rental property and you own it for 20 years and then you go and sell it, that's like a capital property to you. So when you sell that, you're going to sell that for a capital gain. It's going to get taxed at 50%. So the, let's say you made a hundred grand after 20 years. A lot years. of money there, yeah. right? Yeah, but let's say you made a hundred grand after 20 years. I mean, probably not talking about Toronto real estate, but if you make a hundred grand of appreciation after 20 years, now you're only paying tax on 50% of that that gain. So you're only going to pay 50% on 50%, which is just 25%. Correct. So you're only going to pay 25 grand on that 100,000. Right. And there's some other mechanics that get funds out tax-free the other, the, the other side, let's say, right? So there's that. And then there's also, if you have the, the investment income gets taxed, if you have a rental portfolio, the rental income gets taxed at the high investment rates as well in the corporation throughout the time. So it, it depends on kind of what property you're investing in. And there's obviously different rates of tax depending on what so, you do and what your character is. So, so let's, let's, let's give an example. So, you know, as a realtor, 
you're in the business, you know, you're, you're in the field, you know what a good property is, you advise your clients, you know, that are in the business of maybe, you know, fixing and flipping homes, you know, they're paying the business rates and whatnot. So you know what a good property is, right? right? So a lot of times, you know, I got a call from a real estate client saying, hey, you know, I have a property here I want to close on with, uh, with a partner of mine. And, you know, we're going to do a fix and flip and we're going to sell it and make a profit. So, you know, a cool investment vehicle, which you can do is now you can kind of open up a new corporation with your partner. Mm -hmm. You guys can be 50-50 shareholders. You can use the funds from your PREC that you've accumulated and paying at the low rate of tax. You can shoot that over to the Flipco and you can do your buy and flip within that corporation. Yep. And like Matt was saying before, because you're in the business of flipping, that's active business income. So you're going to pay at the low rate of tax. And the biggest benefit of this is that because you're doing, let's just say you do this investment vehicle, this Flipco, with an unrelated third party, your partner is not related to you and whatnot, because the rules do get complicated. That Flipco will have its own $500,000 small business deduction. So essentially, any profits that you make on that fix and flip, up to $500,000 will be taxed at the low rate of 12%. That's pretty good. So you'll right? get two small That's business good. deductions within your thing, right? Is that you, what you're saying? Yeah, you get two small. So your PREC will have its own small business deduction. And but then, is there a certain amount of time that you have to pay the PREC back? Once you take out the money from the PREC to give it to the flip code? No, it's, it's you just lend it over, right? And you just lend it because over? Because it's an unrelated party. If you don't want to charge interest, you yeah. don't have to charge interest. So As long as you're not taking it personally out of yeah. you're, you're lending it. To, you're lending it to another corporation. Mm -hmm. So it's not being taken out personally. It's just going to another corporation that you own. Yeah, right. I mean, and now and, and a, a common pitfall of that is what you have to be, be, be wary of is that now let's say you do that same sort of investment vehicle, but with a spouse and you own 50% and your, your, your spouse owns 50% of that corporation. Now, because you're doing it with your spouse, you're related, you're going to have to share that $500,000 small business deduction between the Flipco and your PREC. Got it. So just make sure when you're setting up these investment vehicles and you're setting up this corporate structure, that you're always, you know, consulting an accountant and a lawyer yeah. to make sure that you're properly set up. So there's ways around that, you know, maybe you can multiply your small business deduction because the bi biggest benefit of a corporation in Ontario is when you start paying tax at the small business rate of 12% up to $500,000. But if you can multiply that, mm -hmm right, through different investments and whatnot. That's where you get the true benefit of, yeah. you know, incorporation. Enjoying this episode? Leave us a review letting us know what you want to learn next and make sure you're following our podcast to be the first to hear our new episodes every Friday. You can also find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube for full video and behind-the-scenes access. Yeah, so if you, I mean, like he was, Mark was saying, if you partner up with another arms length guy or a few other arms length guys, you may be able to multiply that, 500,000 over various corporations. Whereas if you're doing it with your spouse or with another family member, you might not, you might have to split that 500,000 that you're using for your prec. Right. And you don't have access to that anymore. Let's say you already have it fully maxed out. So always cons consult the lawyer and accountant when you're, when you're, especially when you're structuring stuff, it's always, it's always better to take a look at stuff beforehand than it is to go take a look at it after and come to me like, Hey Matt, like I made this corporation with my, with my wife and, Oh, we're going to get it. We're going to have a big advantage from getting the access to the small business. I be like, and I have to tell you, like, oh, no, sorry, you can't use your small business deduction on this. You're going to have to pay more tax. And then it's never a fun conversation after you've already set it up and you think you're getting a benefit. And I got to go and tell you, hey, this is, this is not really a good idea because you're going to get the CRA is going to come and challenge you on this. It's not it's not correct. Matt, yeah. no? Matt, yeah, bring, yeah. Matt always brings the bad news. Yeah, I'm always the bad news guy. Listen, it's, all, it's always bad news when you got to pay tax for sure, at a, at a, especially at very large sums. But at the end of the day, the good news is that means you're producing and you're generating exactly. some good income and your business is, is thriving, which is you know, what you want, right? So Uncle Sam is always going to come keep Uncle knocking Sam. and that's what, uh, two guarantees yeah, in yeah. life, right? Is tax and death. So so Uncle <laughs> Sam's coming, but I'll tell you that much and he, he ain't going to stop until he gets what, what he wants and he wants his little piece of the pie, you know, which is great. And, you know, I'm just making some joke out of it, but at the end of the day, tax is part of life and it's something that we got to 
we got to live with and understand that we all have to contribute towards that because there's a lot of infrastructure and development that happens through different municipalities of government and, and we need to do that and that's why we have a wonderful healthcare system in Canada that many countries would wish to have and it allows these opportunities and I look at Prax for real estate agents that are watching the show and that are new within the business and haven't done so yet or maybe you're a veteran and and you um, you still maybe not set up a Prax for yourself ideally when you're listening to the show you'll understand why it's very important for you to do it right if, if you even if you weren't a real estate agent and you wanted to start a fix and flip business or you wanted to start a wholesale business or, or any type of business itself, you're never going to keep, especially for liability issues, where if something happens where you're in a litigation issue for something, you know, that you did through that business, if you had that business as a sole proprietor, you have a lot of liability that's going to be held personally versus the liability that the corporation would have, correct? Mm -hmm. So if we can just kind of tap on a little bit of that liability that is also a huge benefit and how you are more protected through the practice. Let's say something happens, God forbid, and, and you know, a real estate agent's driving, showing a client to go see a property and, and gets into a car accident and something happens to the client in the car, you know, and now all of a sudden that client goes and sues the real estate agent. Can they now go after just the prac or can they go after them personally? I know it's a legal question mm. and, I, and I, mm. this may be offside but for you. It's a little raw question. Lawyers right now are, are you know, looking at it. Be, like, be careful. Yeah, I gotta be careful. Yeah, I gotta be careful what we say here, you know. Yeah, we gotta go all or, or lawyers, sure? no, this, but it's a good point. Right. Like you said, you, you have to assess the legal implications. I mean, the lawyers are great for that and they have, they'll always provide you with the correct answer when it comes to legal liability and the corporate veil and all right. of that. But when you do have a personal real estate corporation, like you're still somewhat act. So it's, it's very similar to doctors and lawyers, right? You're still professionally liable personally, right? Yeah. right? So if there is any negligence related to you being a realtor or something that you've done throughout your time as a realtor, like you may still be personally liable for some, for, for your realtor business, right? Whereas if you do have a corporation off to the side with some investments and whatnot, that might be a little more safeguarded than it would be if it was personally held let's say yeah. per se but uh, that being said i mean it is always whenever you're trying to set up these we always involve lawyers in the setup process to ensure that uh if they do have any questions about legal liability we involve the lawyers and make sure that they're always taken care of and and there's no there's no like call it whole cracks cracks that the legal lawyers will be able to take care of yeah i mean and 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 you know you brought up a good point before nick and you said how you know there's two guarantees in life death and taxes right so now i think you know now it's a good opportunity that we start talking about you know, how can you plan for that death tax? Mm -hmm. You know, what are some sort of investment vehicles or some sort of corporate structures or estate stuff that, you know, accountants and lawyers can kind of set up for you so that, you know, you can plan for your death tax? Yeah, and it, this, listen, we can run a whole episode on that, mm -hmm. which I think will lead this last part of this podcast. will lead into our next episode where we are going to talk about estate taxes that are very popular today and, and very common questions that there's a, there's a lot of need to understand how that works and, and different ways that people can benefit and protect themselves through the process for their for the next generation that you're going to leave that wealth to or your real estate portfolio to. So, but why don't we just kind of tap into that a little bit and really understand retirement and estate opportunities. Uh, Matt, maybe you want to dabble yeah. into that? Yeah, definitely touch on that. So yeah, there's always tax implications. We were saying earlier, there's always tax implications to take, to take care of and like and take a look at it and make sure that you're always factoring it in. But there's obviously business decisions too, right? So sometimes it's more important to like, you want to take a look at your tax implications, but sometimes if the, if the business sense means go ahead and take that, take, take that venture and do that business opportunity. Sometimes the business opportunity, you might not want to factor in too much the tax. You know what I mean? It might be 
it's sometimes better to just what's that that saying that one of our partners always says about the tax tail wagging the dog you know what i mean oh, yeah. uh, don't let the tax tail wag the head of the yeah. dog or something eventually, like that. <laughs> you know what i mean the, the point is is that eventually you're gonna have to pay tax somewhere down the line yeah so you know you can't you can't avoid tax it's just now how can you plan for tax mm -hmm. so that you know eventually you know when you pass on, your kids are going to be left with this investment portfolio, real estate, yeah. shares of a corporation, and you know your mm. estate is going to have to pay the tax. You know how are you going to come up with funds? Who's yeah. going to pay the tax? Right. right, and and you don't want your kids to start you know selling off your real estate that you've taken you know 30, 30 years to build. You don't want to start liquidating your assets. You want to be able to keep your your you know your hard assets while also mm. being able to pay the debt tax. Yeah. So how do you do that? What what are some of the ways that could be done? You want to get into that? Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll jump into that. So with estate planning, there's vehicles that you can kind of bring into place that will allow you to defer something called the death tax, right? So essentially what happens when you're, when you ultimately, when, when you pass away, there's a death tax you're going to have to pay. So all your assets on death, there's a deemed disposition of all your assets. And that deemed disposition happens at fair market value. So if you have shares of a corporation and there's a bunch of real estate in there you have and you bought it all at cost, okay? Um, when you pass away, there's a deemed disposition of those shares in that company. Okay, so if the corporation has all this real estate built up in the, in, in the corporation, and there's a lot of future growth that happened in there and a lot of appreciation. Now, when you die, that company might be worth, let's say you put a million bucks into it and now 30 years has gone by and God forbid you pass away, something happens and now there's, it's worth $10 million. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that, those shares are worth 10 million bucks. So when you die, there's a deemed disposition on those shares. So you're gonna have a capital gain on whatever, whatever your funds you put into the company or whatever you capitalize the company with. And the, pro, the, and the fair market value at that time. So there might be a $10 million capital gain to pay, let's say. So who's going to pay that tax, right? And who's going to have the money to pay that tax? So you'll need the funds in that corporation to pay that tax bill. Or you're going to leave your kids having to fend for themselves and look for money to go pay that $10 million tax bill if they don't want to dispose of these properties. And let's say you've built this wealth for your kids and, and you have these rental properties that they mean value to you, have sentimental value to you. You don't want to go dispose of those just, just because you need to pay this tax bill right. now, right? So, so there's something you can do called an estate freeze. So in, in the context of PREX, if you had this PREC and you've been making $500,000 every year and you never took out too much money and you moved it over to an investment company, now you have the investment company. The investment company has the real estate. So if you think you're going to have this real estate that you put some some money into and you bought it at cost and it's and it's pretty cheap right now, maybe we're in a lull in, in time with the real estate market and the values are lower than what you think they should be, right? You can freeze that value, let's say a million dollars of what it's going to be today. And maybe in... Uh, when you when you pass away in 20, 30 years, it's going to be worth $10 million, right? So so that growth today that you have in it, let's say there's a million bucks of growth, that growth relates to Nick. Okay, so Nick has that growth. So now Nick freezes the value of that corporation. And Nick now knows that when I pass away, that there's only, there's only going to be tax on that $1 million. So you know where your death tax is going to be. You've already figured it out. And maybe you could pull, get that life insurance um, policy that helps you pay that on death. You get a death benefit that'll pay that tax. Right. right. So your kids don't have to worry about it. The last thing you want to do is put your kids in a position where they got to go sell off some assets, like I was saying before, to pay this death tax bill. You don't want to put your kids in that position. Right. So you can you can freeze your value and now you can bring in something called, let's say, a family trust or you can gift the shares directly to your kids. You can bring a family trust or gift the shares. And that, the benefit of that family trust is you can still have control over those assets if you bring in a family trust. So, Nick, you can go be the trustee of that company, of the of the of that trust. And then your kids are the beneficiaries of that trust. So You can decide, OK who you want to give the funds to. I mean, evenly, however you plan to disperse it, you have that decision per se right. before you go in and disperse that to your kids. So you have a, you have a trust now and now the trust will be the owner of the common shares of that uh, investment corporation you have. So now all the future growth, so you've frozen at a million dollars. Now come death, there's been 
$9 million of appreciation up to that 10 million, let's say, right? So in a situation where, like I was saying, now you've frozen, that $9 million, there's no tax to pay on that $9 million. That $9 million is with your kids. So ultimately, when now when they pass, they're gonna have to pay tax on the appreciation of that $9 million plus future appreciation, let's say. So right. you've estimated your death tax bill and you've taken away the situation where your kids have to fend for themselves and figure out how to pay that. So you now know how much to pay on death and you can plan for it. Whereas if you didn't do that, now you gotta go and figure out how to spend, how to how to pay that $10 million kind of capital gain on your estate. If I'm paying or I'm gonna do the tax freeze on it today on my real estate portfolio, Am I paying the tax once I, I'm assuming it's going to all your properties are going to get appraised at current market value. Once the appraisal comes in, am I paying the tax today to put that rate freeze now on that property? Fantastic question. So no, you won't pay the tax today. So what we do is we'll freeze the value. So the value will be free frozen in something called preferred shares without getting too technical. I mean, we'll take that for the next episode, but yep. you'll freeze that into something called preferred shares. Now you have that locked in value of a million dollars in these frozen shares. So what you can do over time is you can redeem the value, you redeem those shares with dividends or using a capital dividend account. You, you can you can redeem those shares and pay yourself out over the years so that now you can either do it that way or you can just pay it on death depending on how you wanna do it. But you can do it over, over time, which is something called a wasting freeze. And you can reduce that value oh. as the years go on or you can just leave it there and then like later on you have a life insurance plan like we were mentioning and then that life insurance plan will pay off the tax bill. So you have two, you have a few options you can take. That, that's that's pretty cool. There's a lot of moving parts to this, and that's yeah. why we're gonna do run a, our next episode is definitely gonna be running on estate planning and and all the things that you can do for your kids' future mm-hmm. if you do have a good real estate portfolio or plan to start getting into the business itself. I want to simplify a little bit, Mark. I know that you, there's a lot on your mind right now that you mm-hmm. want to kind of ram off your mind, but I just I want to simplify it for the viewer who maybe just has that one primary resident who doesn't have a a real estate portfolio. And, you know, they have this property that when they pass is going to get rewarded to their kids. What are some tax planning that somebody can do is if they don't have a corporation, they just have that one house and God forbid something happens to them. What are some of the benefits that they can do today to avoid paying all this tax when the estate gets rolled over and they got to go through all the protocols with the government Mm -hmm. and so forth? Is there any tax benefits or that the estate can manage now? Well, if it's your if it's your primary residence, that as long as you, obviously you you inhabited it throughout the year, that'll be tax free upon your death, right? Your your primary residence pending the principal. So residence. the estate will not pay any tax. No, on that that, that'll be deemed to dispose on date of death, and then the fair market value up to that point will become the new cost basis yeah. for your children. But everything accrued up to that point in time will be tax free because it was your primary residence. Yeah, right. but, but you did mention there. So there there would be some probate involved and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and and other like taxes, not not capital gains tax or not. Um, business tax, but there would be probate that you have to pay on that, depending on how you structure it. So you can structure it by putting, I mean, I'll leave that more for lawyers, but you can structure it with, with having, uh, there can be right of survivorship on it, or you can have another, um, you can have other people on the title of the property, so it bypasses the estate. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, some, that's something you can look at to make sure that you're you're planning for probate Yeah. as a part there's, of doing this estate planning. We can take a look at that as well. There's tax planning, there's probate planning. Yeah. You know, like probate planning is like a completely other yeah. sort of, uh, way that you can plan for on, yeah. on debt so you can avoid assets going through uh, probate and not paying yeah. uh, the rate. With not tapping too much into it, are there, and to go back on Matt, what you were talking about before, are there other ways of paying less tax or is there ways of now avoiding to pay any tax at all based on the estate? So the estate, I mean, the estate planning doesn't help you pay no tax at all. I mean, it, it it's a good question. Well, well, what if I gifted my kids my real estate portfolio today? 
So, I lose, but I lose full control of it, and I gift it to my daughter and my and my son. So if you just gift it today, and you do no tax planning, and you just gift it to your kids, you got to pay tax on the fair market value of it, on the, on the growth that it is at today. So you're gonna get hit with a tax bill on on the on the fair market value. So regardless, there's you're paying tax. So you're if you gift it like that, you're paying tax immediately. Yeah, and right, and, right. And, you know, we see a lot too. Is we do see that, and and we don't advise that. Just you know, just to gift it. You know, there's ways you can do it where you can you know transfer future growth to your kids like tax Matt was free, saying yeah. you know tax free not tax free sorry um you know you can freeze the value not pay tax today and and, and so forth but a lot of times what we see too is okay i'm going to gift it to my kids and you know my property is worth fair market value is a million bucks i'm going to gift it to my kids for six hundred thousand dollars so i'm going to lower my own capital gain that i pay on the property what the cra looks at now they say wait you know you can't do that because that's a related party so you're deemed to have disposed it at fair market value you can't gift it to them at six hundred thousand so what that'll do, that'll trigger something called double tax. So you'll have to pay ca- uh, tax on the capital gain up to a million bucks and your kids will have the cost of $600,000. So that $400,000 has just been exposed to double tax. Yeah. yeah, so you pay tax on that 400,000 and then when your kids go and sell it, they don't get the benefit of that $400,000 you paid tax on. As their cost basis. Yeah. So gifting is something that it's done. You just gotta make sure that A, you're doing it all at fair market value mm-hmm. because if the CRA challenges you and they deem you to not have disposed or yeah. gifted of a property at fair market value, um, you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna trigger double tax. So what's the benefit for the CRA to give you a tax reason? Why would they allow that? Is it just well, that's just what? that's just planning. That's just planning for death tax. That's just planning for death tax. Yeah, at that it, point. it allows you to freeze your value today while still maintaining mm-hmm. control. Because a lot of times too is like you know we advise our clients. You know they they've built up this real estate portfolio of let's say you know ten million bucks today, right. and it's like you know what are you going to mm-hmm. do in 10, 20 years when you pass away? I don't care. Like, I want to control I want to control yeah. what I own. I want to control that. I don't trust my kids. You know, you hear that all the time. I don't trust my, yeah, kids. I don't I trust my kids. And I get yeah. it, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, what Matt was saying before, you know, there's ways you can structure it or you can reorganize your, your, your corporate structure where you can still maintain control of your corporation while yeah. freezing your value today. Yeah. It's just planning for death tax because yeah. the last thing you want to do is, you know, leave your, your, your children with this estate. Burden. And, yeah. and, Burden. And, and, but this large tax bill, and it's like without liquid cash mm-hmm. to pay it. Yeah. You know, how are you going to do this? And the best way to do that is through a, a tax freeze. Well, yeah, tax exactly, through tax and estate planning. So, I mean, tax and estate planning doesn't start when you turn 70 years old. And you're like, okay, I should start thinking about it. Tax and estate planning should start very early on. Very early on. It should be, it should be a conversation Correct. when you're even incorporating your It's prep. like life insurance. It's like life insurance. You should always have a plan in place for later on, no matter what, you should have your wills in place. You should always have estate planning in mind with any transaction you're doing, right? So you don't want the last thing you want to do, like we're saying, is leave your kids with that burden. So for I see we see it all the time where some guys haven't done any estate planning, and then it's like okay, you get to a point where you get sick or something happens, and it's almost like not that it's too late, but it's like you could have done some estate planning beforehand to to defer this tax that you're gonna have to pay right now, whereas you could have avoided this altogether. Right. You know what I mean, or not avoided the tax, but but prepaid it or passed the future growth and have some more of that income tax deferral that you can benefit from. So, I mean, we see it, we see horror stories all the time, or people just oh, I'm gonna just put my kid on title and give him beneficial ownership of this property um, tomorrow and not consult anyone. But there's still you, now you're paying tax today, and then you're paying tax today. Well, yeah. you, you should have paid tax, right? So some people, and the problem is you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't consult anyone, you could be doing all this, all the all these transactions. I mean. Maybe you're getting away with it. Maybe like you, nobody's really looked into it. But if you really want to go to, you, you want to sleep at night. You want you want to be able to know that you've gotten the best advice you can. And all these, especially if they're big transactions, right? I mean, not that a small transaction you wouldn't, but for a big transaction, like you want to you want to sleep at night and know that you've you've done your due diligence, you've taken care, you've set aside your money for tax purposes, and now you don't have to worry about what's going to happen with my kids later on down the road. Because we see where people pass away, 
and they don't have anything in place. And then now you're, you're, you're dealing with their kids where you used to deal with their father. And it's like that trust level is not there. You're trying to explain all this and you have a lot of estate like fights between kids and brothers and sisters and all. And it's just something you don't want to get into after having that legacy of life where it's like, you don't want to pass that on to your children and you just want to have it all set in stone through your will, through your estate. And you know what you're passing on to each, each kid and they can just go on with, with having that great. Yeah, and you don't want to leave them with right? any burdens or tax exactly. burdens, right? Where yeah. they're stuck with all that paying all that tax as well. And there's all this stress that comes with that exactly. as well. And the complications Absolutely. Uh, that could take place. This is awesome guys. We've made for a great episode today. I think we need to build on the estate planning mm-hmm. uh, for next episode, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions even through our viewers that are going to want some advice on that. But if, if there's any um, questions that you may have, please reach out. We'd be glad to help. If somebody needed uh, some of your services, guys, what, what's the best point of contact to get a, get a hold of you guys? Well, we have our website, ValenteFacidi.com. We also have our Instagram account. You can reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another thing, too, is, you know, even if you're, if you're an individual who's a real estate agent and, you know, you kind of just want to figure out, does it make sense for me? Uh, we can sit down or have a quick phone call and we can run through sort of your numbers and, and we can advise you whether it does make sense preliminary. Yeah. Um, but you, you can get in touch with us via our website or, or yeah, you uh, can email sorry. us at info at mm-hmm. uh, Shoot us an email. I mean, I know for sure after we close this conversation and close this episode, Nick's going to be calling us about estate planning anyway. So we know he's going to be the first call. How did you know? I'm like, <laughs> while you guys are talking, I'm like, what? Okay, that's our next move. Like, well, There's a lot of stuff moving parts that we've done, but now that we have to definitely work on that, that's our next move for us too as well. But, you know, for those viewers that are listening, when these guys hit 500,000 yeah. views, there was a lot of people through different countries that, actually seen that clips of you Mm -hmm. so i want everybody to understand that this is a canadian based podcast a lot of the tax advice that these guys are are giving advice Mm -hmm. on is for canada itself so that's funny uh, please if you are american right now i don't know if the same implications do do, just call uncle sam or or get a good tax accountant over there these guys are based in ontario toronto ontario so if anybody's listening in toronto ontario needs some wonderful accountants to help them through the process Mm -hmm. of their tax planning uh give them a call uh, again, Matthew, Mark, Matthew, <laughs> glad to have you guys on the yeah, show yeah, again, yeah. man. Thank no, you. For sure. I mean, it's, and to be said, it's not really tax advice. I mean, we're not construing any advice on anybody else. If you have mm-hmm. any questions, feel free to reach out, out to us. And like, it depends on your situation. We'll take care of everything. We'll work with you. You know? Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Looking to buy or sell? Call a team you can trust. Don't believe me? Our Google reviews say it all. Put us on your lawn. Your house will be gone. The OPteam.com.